0: Welcome to CISO Diaries. I'm Leah McLean. And I'm Sia Yasa
1: Tornrat. CISO Diaries is shining a light on the industry's thought leaders and trailblazers. CISOs need people to engage with them. They need folks to take security seriously as a first thought, not an afterthought. They need to value security as a core principle, a moral imperative, an anchor value. And they need people to listen, and they want to be heard, because after all, they are humans too. This podcast is for everyone,
0: including leaders and those aspiring to leadership and security through CISOs willing to candidly share their personal side, and for us to get to know them apart from their jobs and understand their passions. Join us and have fun getting to know our CISOs. And we would like to thank our sponsor, Cyber
1: Future Foundation, a think tank and a group of doers who are focused on driving change across cyber peace goals, workforce and talent, cybersecurity education and training, small business cybersecurity, and private and public sector
0: collaboration. And now, let's meet our CISO.
1: Oh, yeah. All right, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Here we are with another edition of the CISO Diaries. Quick shout out to our sponsor, Cyber Future Foundation, a nonprofit think tank with the mission of building a safer and more trusted cyber world. So on our show today, we have a special guest. He was the first CISO for the state of Michigan, named Public Official of the Year, and formerly with the NSA. Dan Lorman, welcome.
2: Thanks, Leah. It's wonderful to be with you, and uh, it's great to be on the show.
0: Great to have you. We are so excited to have you join us, Dan. So I know I cyber-stalked you a little bit, so I appreciate it. And it's a good thing that Leah is actually a professional that you respect, that you guys already had contact with each other. So I thought it was really kind of funny when I said, Leah, Leah, I've got this cool guy that I stalked <laughs> on LinkedIn. And she's like, girl, I already know him. So. Small world insecurity. <laughs> I know.
2: Is that funny? It is funny, but
0: isn't it funny how small the world is of cybersecurity and scary?
2: It is small and it's amazing. You you will you will keep running into the same people over and over again. I mean, especially at conferences and in the intelligence community, it's like all all my old friends and and three letter agencies in Washington are all working for the big banks now. So it's and it's but they're all it's all the same people.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So okay, so. Knowing that we are a, relatively speaking, small, dysfunctional family, do you think that's something that's a personality trait of those that go into security? Do, we, do you think we have something in us, or is it so welcoming that everyone's dysfunctional and come join our family? What do you think that is?
2: It's a bit of a hodgepodge, but I mean, I do think there's there's certainly CISOs like to run the fires and not away from them. So I, I do think that there's a, there's, there's a, there's gotta be a moxie in, in in men and women that that lead um cyber teams and um a passion for um a lot of different things, but we'll probably talk about some of those. But um yeah, I, I do think, you know, that some of those same personality traits show up in some other career paths, but cybersecurity is not for the faint of heart. It's certainly uh, being a CISO is you're at the front lines and you're in the front pages of global magazines and global media, you know, and and it's, it's certainly a challenge and uh, but it's exciting. It's fun. It's always changing and you're, you're using cutting edge technology. So it's, it's awesome.
0: You know, I was talking to someone the other day and they said, you know, the fun thing about security is the fact that a, if you want to go into it, you need to be a learner. You have to enjoy learning new things constantly. And one of the things or traits is, if you love gadgets and you love just fiddling with puzzles, whether it's physical or mental or something, there's a good probability that you would do very well in cybersecurity and the whole information security arena. Leah, do you agree with me on that?
1: I do. And you know, I think too, I think we can also agree it's not an easy path, nor is there a clearly defined path to get to being a CISO. So Dan, how how did you get to being a CISO and a CISO of an entire state, nonetheless?
2: Yeah, so I'll take you give you the quick um, fifty thousand foot view of my career. I started uh, in the late eighties at NSA in Washington. Went right out of college at Valparaiso University. Um, born and raised in Maryland, but I um, really uh, went to school at Valparaiso. Played quarterback on the football team, and um, went went. Um, Went back to Maryland, worked at NSA, got my master's at Johns Hopkins in computer science as well. So, bachelor's and master's in computer science. Um, so, really, you know, NSA is like security is our middle name, right? So, I did networks. You can't talk about what you, you know, you did. But you have to, you have to kill you first, right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, it's all, it's all good. It was a wonderful time. It was a great time to be at NSA. It was in the Reagan years when I started, and it was like, you know. You know, just obviously the Cold War, the Berlin Wall hadn't fallen down yet. But um, my wife and I, we got married in the late late uh, 80s and we moved to England, was in England for seven years with Lockheed and Mantech, working on a U.S., U.K. military base. So GCHQ as well and worked with NSA and, and a lot of different um, global, um, you know, three letter agencies. And um Basically, uh, loved that you know. Grew in my uh, management skills. You know, managed a small team that grew to a larger team. Uh, but then late '90s, I made a big change, and I won't go into all the reasons why, unless we want to go there. We can talk about that. But more for personal reasons than anything else, we moved to Michigan, where my, where my wife's family is from, and uh, became a CIO for management and budget. Um, those years were um, it was all about Y2K. There wasn't a lot of security going on. Certainly not in state governments around the country. But um, I was a CIO, had about 100 staff, 100 contractors. Um, and um, then from there, really went to uh, Michigan, Michigan.gov. We were the first state that did a .gov of all 50 states. Federal government had some .govs at that time, but it was brand new domain. And uh, and then, you know, right in those years, you know, Y2, um, excuse me, after Y2K and after, you know, web, we had nine eleven. And so the pendulum kind of really swang hard. Uh, Michigan had done some really big centralization um, at that prior to that. Like every agency had their own CIO, every agency had their own IT department, their own data centers, their own you know broom closets in some cases. They had their own you know areas that um, you know people ran technology. And anyway, um, Governor um, Engler brought all that together. And really created uh, one state CIO, one state IT department, centralized all the IT, went from 40 data centers to three over 10 years, You know, centralized everything. And then we really, the, the need, and I really made the case at that time, we need a chief security officer to to really be, um, you know, over this. And and so really created that first CISO role in, in 2002, actually the first CISO for all 50 state governments. Um, there might have been some federal CISOs earlier than that, but it was kind of a brand new idea. But we had all these websites. Everyone was saying, "You know, got to go online, not in line," and uh, we needed to secure it. So they really, you know, that really started in the in the 2002 time frame.
0: Okay, can I just tell you, you clearly have done this before because you summarized <laughs> your entire career within about four minutes. Yeah,
2: it's very <laughs> succinct. <laughs> well, that was only half my career because I only got you to the 2002 size. So you know,
1: so <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, but wasn't that 2002? I think that's when didn't they sign the act for Homeland Security then?
2: Yeah, exactly. Was it that year. Yeah, but, and I and I got a chance mm-hmm. to work. You know, it was, it was some great those years. Those seven years that I was first CSO. You know, I got to work with Homeland Security. Got to work in IT coordinating council. You know, we worked the, under the Bush administration, uh, George W. Bush. Um, you know the first national strategy to secure cyberspace, and had a chance to get involved in that and be in comment on that. And then the IT sector specific plan. One of the authors were co authored A lot of people helped with that. But yeah, I really got involved in some of those groundbreaking documents. And you know, I remember we had a critical infrastructure. A lot of everything's about critical infrastructure now, right? Ransomware and everything. But you know, back in 05, we were the first critical infrastructure conference in the country that DHS held outside of Washington. Um, so yeah, it was really groundbreaking stuff that we were doing in Michigan in those early years.
0: Okay. So that sounds so exciting and so cool. So I guess, let me ask you this, because you said you lived in the UK, you, you glided through so much. I was like, Oh wait, oh, but wait, <laughs> a lot to unpack <laughs> a lot to unpack. And quite frankly, we don't have enough time for that for our, the, the full scope of our podcast. But I mean, Dan, I mean, you're ambitious and it, clearly you've had opportunities that you were able to engage, embrace. How much do you think, if I can go back to your quarterback, I didn't realize you were a quarterback. Yeah. Um, did you apply while those like uh, tenants as a quarterback? You look at the field, you listen to your team, you can call the shots seeing how maybe you're opposing, you know, the defense line is looking how much have you seen that apply to your current career or did you ever even consider that your football life had anything to do with your current life?
2: Oh, a lot. I mean, I was very in the sports. So I was one the you know, grew up as kind of a, a jock youngest of seven kids. I had three year old brothers and they all, they all take credit for my career for my sports career. But I, I, you know, I got a college scholarship. It wasn't, you know, it was a division two football team. It wasn't great, but um, but yes, I mean my I, I I use football analogies all the time. I write about how sports is very much, and football, in fact, very much. I have several blogs that can you guys can post afterwards with this and 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 around football, how football is like cybersecurity. You know, defense and offense and attack, defend and 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 absolutely, there's a lot of overlap and it plays into so many things. And also, just you know, also trying to, other analogies. I never played hockey, but I love I, the analogy. I, I call it the Wayne Gretzky thing. It's like he always used to, you know, say, "How are you so good?" I always used to skate to where the puck was going to be. So you know, really knowing knowing that things are changing rapidly. Um that it, it's a right now it's just it's crazy how things are, you know, and technology's continues to explode even today, you know, with AI and and um all, so many things, internet of things and and you know, even in my career, you know, seeing, you know, we'll talk about maybe one of the examples I, I can tell you about, but you know, going from you know, everything from Wi-Fi to IoT to cloud computing to b- bring your own device to work and now internet of things, and artificial intelligence, it's always changing. And trying to, you know, trying to pull that together and then lead a team that can really be passionate and excited about their role and really making a difference. And uh, yeah, I think leadership really is something that, you know, CISOs have to, um, you know, um, you know, you really have to, it cuts across your personal life and your professional life. And either, you know, you have that leadership ability or you don't. I mean, you can grow those skills. I'm not trying to say you can't grow leadership skills, but um, you know, I, I was a passionate leader from a young age.
0: So let me ask you this, though, though. Leadership is something where I think with quarterback, it's a leadership position. So I think perhaps in, to some degree, it's in you, within you to have that. Do you think being the baby of seven and having these <laughs> older brothers forced you to step up? Because I'm assuming they were your leaders at some point. How did you address it when you weren't in that leadership role? And then we're trying to make your own path and carve your own paths because you know this applies to a career
2: no absolutely no you well stated and i you know leadership you have to learn the skills i mean i'm not trying to say you just you know even though you might be leading your you know nine and ten year old baseball team that's not like leading the state of michigan in cybersecurity, right (laughs) but my oldest brother steve um he's now retired but he was he was in computer science and you know he was like my model in many ways he he uh he was a uh, sales in computer sales. He was Burroughs, Honeywell, Data General, Silicon Graphics, you know, working for IBM and a bunch of others, but he you know, he was always very successful. So he was always they say 90% of the salespeople make 10% of the money, 10% make 90%. Steve was always in the 10%. You know, he was always platinum, gold, diamond, club, somewhere in the world. It was like, Steve, where are you going this year? I'm going to Hawaii, going to great, you know, great Barrier Reef, going to Rome, you know, always going somewhere. And so, and he was, he was the one who really encouraged me to get into computer science. And, you know, said, Dan, you need to major, you know, get, you know, he says, his line was salesmen are born, not made, you know, like sell me this pencil and you know, i don't have a pencil with me, but sell me that, you know, can you sell me this? And, and uh, he said, but you got to have the technical skills. You got to have the knowledge. And as you are mentioning, you always have to be learning. So you need, you need to get those technical skills um, with our Lorman personality that we have. We're pretty, pretty, um, you know, type A personality people, pretty high, you know, extroverts all the way. But um, yeah. So I think that, that, role model for me was huge. My father had his doctorate degree, you know, it's, education was always very important in our family and having role models, I think all my brothers and sisters all graduated with at least a bachelor's degree, several of them doctor's degrees. So, you know, it's very much a uh, part of our, our kind of DNA to, to really kind of, um, you know, learn more and constantly grow in your career.
1: Yeah. And, I, I do like what you said about, I mean, it, it almost sounds like you navigated your own path a bit when you were mentioning um, back and, you know, getting into being a CISO from the state of Michigan that you said, you know, we should, should probably have a chief security officer and look at that and where you went. But it, um, I know we had talked before and you, uh, there's a story you can probably share with us about the time you almost got fired, but I think there's a good lesson in it. So if you wouldn't mind sharing that with us.
2: Absolutely no. It's 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 become one of my kind of turning points in my career. Um, so shortly after I, I became CSO, um, well, we had a go- the governor change. Governor Granholm came in, and uh, she's you know now actually um, director of Department of Energy, Secretary of Energy under under uh, Biden administration. But you know, many people probably know Governor uh, Jennifer Granholm um, from CNN and other places. But she was our governor. She brought in Terry Takai. From Ford. And Terry went on to become CIO, CIO in Michigan. She became CIO in California after that, four years later. Then she became CIO for the US Department of Defense. So, I mean, she very, very successful. Terry, uh, real, real kind of, and, and uh, I don't want to tell you how it ends, but so, actually, I'll tell you. She's cl- close friend now. So, it's a happy ending to this. But not so much at that time when she first came in. I think the 10 people who directly reported to her, only two made it like, more than 18 months. Cause they, she really cleaned house and, but she was really, really good. And, um, so at the time, what happened was Terry gave us a, um, gave me a task, a project. Um, and she wanted me to put Wi Fi This was 2004 Fi in all of our state conference rooms in the buildings all around Lansing, Michigan. And, um, I had done my homework and I, you know, at that time, for those who, you know, go back that far, if if people remember that, the war driving, W A R, war driving, uh, was really huge. People were driving around getting into people's, you know, home networks if they had them or, you know, literally getting pulling in the Home Depot parking lots, Lowe's parking lots and and literally accessing the cash registers. Security was very, very weak. There was there was a lot of problems. A lot of articles don't do Wi-Fi bad, especially at airports, but other places too. just don't do Wi-Fi. So I, I had done my homework. I had all these reports from NSA, CIA, DIA, all the three letter agencies in Washington. Bad idea. Had all these headlines, you know, Home Depot got hacked last week. Go into the staffing, and we get to item four in the agenda. And Terry said, "Dan, so how are we going to do this? How are we going to roll out Wi-Fi to all of these, you know, conference rooms in the state of Michigan?" And I said, "Well, Terry, uh, I know this is going to come with shock to the people in the room. Like there's you know, like ten of us on our staff, you know, around the table. I said, but I'm, I'm I'm canceling this project. And I handed out sheets of paper, and I showed them. I've got these white papers to back all this up. If you all want to see the white papers." And um, but these are the reasons why. And this is a really bad idea. I don't think this is secure. I think we need to shut this down. And Terry just stared at me. And you could have cut the air with a knife for like 10 seconds. And she said, I want everyone to leave the room. But Dan. And uh, it was like a shocking moment. So like I've never seen a government conference room empty so fast. I mean, everyone just gets up and runs out of the room. And here I am across the table from Terry Takai. Who you know? Many people know today is a legend in government cybersecurity. But um, she, she, you know, she says to me, Dan, if that's your answer, you can't be the CISO in Michigan. Wow! And I said, and I'm like shocked. And I said, well, you know, I literally was just floored. And I said, Terry, no, 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 you don't understand. I, I, you know, should stop. She said, Dan, everyone knows you're smart. You're from NSA. You got a master's in computer science. It's not about that. She said, it's not about. I know I know about the Home Depot, Lowe's stuff. I know the White Papers. I saw all the stuff you sent me, the, the read-ahead stuff, because I sent her some stuff in advance. I know all that. She said, but I've been to Dow, Ford, Chrysler, and GM, and they all have Wi-Fi in their conference rooms. And she said, they know something that you don't know. Tell me what it is. I've given you one week to come back and give me the plan if you want your job. Oof. And that, that was a real – I mean, obviously, I was, like, sweating bullets and just, you know, you can imagine. But I'd never had this happen before. I mean, I'm always the guy that got, you know, five stars out of four stars. You know, like extra credit for, you know, all my – I don't think I ever <laughs> yeah. got a bad, you know, eval in my life. Um, yeah. Performance appraisal. I was just, like, shocked. I, I get back to my office and the team's like, Did you tell them we're not going to do Wi-Fi? You know, they're all, like, you know – you know, clenching and yelling and, and I'm like, guys, we're doing Wi-Fi and we're going to figure this out. And anyway, long story short, we did. I kept my job. We, we got a hold of Dow Ford Chrysler GM. We told us what they were doing. We, you know, we we, we we did, you know, Ethernet links with, you know, addresses to devices. We did a whole bunch of different stuff at the time. It's all that's pretty old technology now. But I mean, the reality is um, I learned a bigger lesson through that. Um, two years later, we win the award for top security Wi-Fi in the country for all 50 states. You know, a lot of things. We won tons of awards in 12 of the 14 years I was there leading in government in Michigan. We were top security team in the country. We had a great team. We really I mean, we were rock stars, men and women who are now leading organizations all over the world in security. And so we were very blessed. But I will say one thing I learned is you've got to get to yes. You know, I really transformed my mindset around being a CISO. You got to offer alternatives, um, I tell people gold, silver, bronze, you know, well, you can't just come with one solution. You got to get to, yes, you know, we can do security on time, on budget with the right level of security. And it can't just be, no, we're not going to do this. And then one other thing, real quick, I want to say, Leah, in addition, it's, it's not just about Wi-Fi. It's, it's, oh, yeah, that's great about Wi-Fi. Yeah, 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 that's good 20 years ago, right? But what I found is the same thing is true with the whole line of technology for 20 years. So, it, it, you know, the next thing was cloud. And mm-hmm. then it was IoT. You know, it was, it was mm-hmm. bring your own device to work, and so you could like swap out the headlines. Just say, you know, Wi Fi is a bad idea, Clouds a bad idea, right. BYOD is a bad idea, IoT is a bad idea, Artificial intelligence is a bad idea. You know, you could just swap it out, and 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 because there's articles out there like that, you can read mm-hmm. them. And at the time, it's like, but you, know, you can't be just a naysayer and be a successful CISO. Mm-hmm. You got to help the business get to yes. So you yeah. got to find out how to do it. Go talk to somebody else. You're probably not the first one in the world to do it. Maybe you are. But like state government in Michigan, we weren't. You know, we weren't the first ones doing Wi-Fi. But we were, you know, we were probably the first state to do it securely. Um, so, I mean, really learning from our business partners, learning from best practices, getting to yes and offering alternatives to the business that are really going to you know, reduce risk. You know, look at the risk equation, but not just say no and shut it down.
0: Oh, I just
1: phenomenal love phenomenal advice. Phenomenal I, advice.
0: I love you taking a drink of water. You're like, done. My exposition. <laughs> you just gave such a wise nugget that I think in cybersecurity in general, particularly leadership and having a seat at the table at the C-suite is that perception that securities uh, leaders are the naysayers. They're the gatekeepers that say, what do you want to do? Yeah. No, nah, no. You're the digital transformation. Not on my watch. Oh, what, you want to put that in the cloud? Mm, don't think so. So I, I think you've nailed it on the head. So what advice would you give then to a, even a tenured season CISO that maybe is going through the same challenge as a brand new up and coming leader trying to help the board, the C-suite understand there are ramifications for things, but it still can be done. What What is the advice you would give?
2: Sure. Well, I think I think it starts with relationships. It starts with, you know, you don't wanna be the cat in the corner kind of cornered Don't wanna question. It starts with, you know, in any organization, whether you're talking to the board or whether you're talking, you know, in relationships and I, I I like to say three hundred and sixty degrees. I I, I actually wrote a blog once on, you know, how do you evaluate CISOs? And I said, one one way of doing it, there's a lot of ways you can do it. You can do it on budget and money and this and that and the other thing. But I said, I I, I like to do it based on relationships. The, the people reporting to you, your colleagues, your management, um, the vendor community, um, and your customers. And, you know, how do, what, what do they think of you? I mean, obviously there's data and numbers and, and support around that, but, you know, you have to build trust, and you build relationships I I'd start off with do lunch, you know, you, and not just for the technology people. Cyber people are, are notorious for like, oh, yeah, we got a, we got our, you know, our own crackerjack team. We'll all go out to lunch together. But they're not known for like, you know, crossing that great divide called the business or, you know, walking, walking over and talking to see, you know, a lot of the other partners in around the room. So, you know, it's, it starts with relationships and building trust. So that when you get to the moment where you have to make those kind of harder decisions, you, you're like you're you're there as a trusted advisor, and 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 I think um, it's easy to say, it's hard to do. It's very hard to do because there's obviously there's money involved, there's there's careers involved, there's egos involved. But if you can get to a point where you really have good relationships all the way around, then you can at least have a conversation and, and take a little bit of the the intensity out of the air when you, when you, when you talk about topics, but um, that's where I would start. And and then clearly there are a wide variety of different ways you can measure risk. There's a wide variety of different tool sets. You know, you got to have a good baseline. You got to have a good plan. Um, Know what you've got, you know, kind of as is to be gap analysis. Everywhere I've gone, it's been about, you know, knowing what you are, where you're at, knowing where you want to be, and then having a good plan to get there and, and, and adapting to that and I think and, and, and it's it sounds so easy it sounds so straightforward yeah we've been doing that in consulting for, for decades but to really one thing I, I'm just very thankful uh, you know about the team I worked with the people the opportunities I've been given we had a we had um, we really did some things in Michigan and like and we did it all over again actually, we actually you know I was CTO for three years. And then I came back, and I was CSO for three years, from eleven to fourteen. And we started over with another blank sheet of paper. I mean, we had we had done a lot of great stuff for a decade. But there was a lot, really, you know, not relevant anymore. And so we had to almost start over with awareness training, security awareness training. We had to start over with a whole series of topics. But over those three and a half years, we were able to build. I'll just I'll rattle off a couple of things real quick, but we were able to build a cyber disruption response strategy, which was the first in the nation. Now all the states are doing it. We built a cyber, we were the first non-classified cyber range. Now everybody's building cyber ranges. Now we had a lot of help. You know, we literally had um, from, from the Obama administration at the time, Secretary Napolitano came out, Howard Schmidt from the white house came out and we're like, you guys need to be, a, you guys need to build a cyber range in Michigan. And so, so we, we had, You know, we were talking to the right people, working with the right partnerships. It wasn't just us in an Island, but Cyber Ranges, Cyber Disruption strategy, Cyber Civilian Corps, which was like a, a national guard for civilians when we have ransomware. That team now goes out and helps cities and counties and, and even small businesses when ransomware hits. And others around the country, North Carolina and other places are doing the same thing. So what I'm saying is to really have some stretch goals is my point to you guys. When we're talking about the 2B, it wasn't just, oh, yeah, we just want to have a sock. Or we just want to have a you know security operations center. It's like no, we want to you know we want to be um, you know we 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 really did some stretch things and then and then challenge our team to deliver that and it was really really exciting. We, you know what you can deliver with good relationships, good leadership. Governor Rick Snyder at the time really believed that he was from C, CEO of Gateway Computers, and uh, so that really helped. But um, yeah, I, I think I think the biggest thing is the relationships, the partnerships you build. Are really key to be successful.
1: I love all of what you said. I mean, talking to a few folks uh, earlier this week about how you know, and uh, one organization we work with was looking for leadership training. That is hard because leadership is something you learn on the job. It's hard to be taught. You have to kind of be in it. And I think all those points you brought up are perfect. Don't, I wouldn't be surprised if this podcast ends up on our mentor platform because um, you gave such great advice. So I know we're coming up on time. Um, I want to personally thank you for just being here with us today and sharing so much. And I mean, big achievements and hopefully you have some fun stuff planned ahead of this too.
2: No thanks, we do. It's you know really yeah. good stuff, and uh, some a book coming out later this fall. So we have a lot, a lot of good stuff uh, coming. The best is yet to come.
0: That is awesome, Dan. You've been so giving and amazing. But I do have one bone to pick with you, and I need go for it. I need, I need to challenge you on this, <laughs> sir. I need to. Yorkshire tea, really, really, absolutely. Now you got to tell me why that is your favorite.
2: Yorkshire tea. Yes, you've read about it. Have you ever lived in Yorkshire? (laughs) No, I haven't. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It it is delicious. Tea, you have to, unless you've lived in England for seven years, people (laughs) visit it, you know, for a week or two. They just don't understand. It's like tea is, it's not even, it's just like part of their DNA. I mean, it's (laughs) like in England, it's like we had so many people who, you know, I, we were, I, real quick, we were in a, a church in England and, uh, they, we had a, a woman who went to the United States for a year and she wrote a letter back to, and, and it was read to this big group of, of people at the church I was going to in England. It's like, the Americans don't know the meaning of tea or how to make tea or yeah. what tea even is. It's like, you can't even, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's literally religion over there. So it's, it's, uh, and then, and, and it's like, they mix it, the tea with the water from like Yorkshire water. And it's, it is really good. I mean, Yorkshire is. tea is, is something special. I mean, they have tea in the middle of their cricket matches. I mean, I don't know if oh, people, yeah. I mean, literally. Um, so unless you've lived in England, I don't think you really understand. Maybe, you know, other parts of the Commonwealth. Okay. So South Africa, Australia, PAC, you know, they, they, they get it but um, West Indies, but you know, they, they don't, uh, they don't mess around with the tea, man.
0: You know what? I hate to say it. I think of all the controversies that might come out of this episode, it's going to be all of my friends out in the UK going, what's up with that last response there? You were doing so well.
2: Yorkshire tea. I mean, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. Not ashamed of it. No, No,
0: they're they're (laughs) telling me that you're starting a fighting war on tea already. Right. uh, Typical American. So uh, I I enjoyed my time with you, Dan, and definitely want to Likewise. keep in touch and learn more. Yeah. I love all your posts on LinkedIn, by the way. I love your thank shares, you. love yeah. the thoughtful articles that you write. And do, please, uh, we'd love to have you back when you've got Don't some time.
1: Don't be a stranger. Exactly. Thank you no, I your really book appreciate it. You guys are
2: awesome. I love this format. I love your background. You guys are going to be rock stars. I love just everything. And I'll send you some other names of people you need to bring on because I I think this is really awesome. And I think you guys are going places. So good luck. Oh.
1: Thank Dan, you so much. Oh my much. gosh. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> hey, we didn't pay Dan. We did not pay Dan. No, hey, did. not pay Dan. No, we did not. No. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> awesome. Truly appreciate it. Yes. Well, thank you again for joining us, Dan, uh, again on the CISO Diaries, and stay tuned for next time.